kid. Hello, I am Sammy Eisberg. We are here with Mike Harge. So uh, can you just tell us a little bit of your uh, baseball background and what you're doing right now? Yeah, I'm a former second round pick of the Montreal Expos in 1990. I played 13 years of minor league baseball with the uh, Boston, Red Sox, Boston Red Sox organization, the St. Louis Cardinals organization, and the New York Yankees organization. And now I am my co-host of the bottom line on AM 1300 The Zone with Chip Brown uh, and Shannon B. Sweeney. And I also do commentating with Mike Caps on the Round Rock Express home games, the AAA affiliate of the Houston Astros. Thanks for having me here, Sammy. Uh, so I read the book Driving Mr. Yogi a few years ago. Um, in that book, he kind of talks about how spring training is different from uh, a lot of other teams in New York. So since you were with the Yankees, is that true that spring training kind of has a uh, different vibe in New York than it did with uh, any other team? Yeah, I mean, because when you talk about baseball and you bring up the New York Yankees, everybody knows exactly who that is and the history that they have and the, the Hall of Famers that are a part of what they've done. and they're always around spring training. I mean, when I was there, George, uh, George Steinbrenner was still around and, and Derek Jeter and just the names and the, the, the mystique of the New York Yankees. And it was something that I wasn't prepared for, to be quite honest with you, because I'd played against those guys, but I was never a part of their spring training. So when I got there, it was just a madhouse all the time. People knowing exactly who you are, whether you're a minor leaguer, when they make transactions. Because when I came over, they had just gotten rid of Drew Henson, who went on to play um, quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. And I was replacing Drew Henson. So of course, everybody's like, oh, who is this guy? Where's he been? And I threw out the minor league system. So it is definitely something that is different than most teams because of the, the star power that the Yankees bring every single day. So uh, when we first met down at spring training almost last year, you told me about a, like a very special team you were on that uh, had 100 consecutive wins. So yeah. how was that uh, team able to do that? And what was it like being on that team? Well, we didn't have 100 consecutive. We won 100 games that year. And it's, and it's kind of ironic that it was in 1993. I mean, we had the best team and there's a book out uh, how one team wrecked the Eastern League, and, and it's about our team. And we had so many big leaguers on that team, but the thing about it was, was we actually liked each other. And the funny thing about that is you like each other when you're winning. So, and we were bringing in different pieces each time. Um, I, got a, I got called up a little bit later to that team, probably the first month of the season because I was rehabbing in West Palm Beach and broke my hand. And so I was getting ready for that, but they had already started to make that turn. I just came in and kind of jump-started them even more because I was a base stealer. I was bringing a different type of energy. The guy that I replaced retired out of the blue, so they needed someone to come in and, and get this thing going. But I had Rondell White, Cliff Floyd, um, Carlos Perez, Reed Cornelius, Shane Andrews. There were so many guys that played in the big leagues that were part of that team. So every single night, it was like what you just asked me about the Yankees. That's what we felt like. We felt like the Yankees because we knew we were going to win. We didn't know how we were going to win, but we knew we were going to win. 
And every team that played against us hated us because of that, because we had so much star power. And we won 100 games. We ended up winning the championship, obviously, uh, against the Cleveland Indians that had Manny Ramirez, Omar Ramirez. They had a bunch of big leaguers on their team, too. So it was a great time. It was one of the most special moments of my life because when, you, when you're a part of something like that, everybody's always going to remember you and talk to you. So anytime something comes up about all these great teams and even in the major league level, they always bring back up our team because it's very rare for teams to win 100 games. So kind of uh, talking about injuries, I've broken a lot of things in my lifetime from my pinky all the way down to my foot. Um, I heard that you also broke your foot stepping on a baseball right before you were going to get called up to the bigs. Uh, how did you cope with that? And then how would you tell kids how to cope with uh, bad stuff or stuff just like that? Well, you know, it's funny because I played football all my life and never had injuries. And then I picked the sport baseball and then I have all the injuries, kind of like what you said, from the foot, the knee, the shoulder, the hand. I mean, there were so many things that were going on. So the first time it was frustrating, very frustrating because your buddies, your brothers are continuing to do everything and you're not. You're, you're on one field doing rehab work and they're on another field getting ready to do some other things and advance in this deal. So it was tough at first, but then you start thinking about the process. You think about where you're going to be in the end. You, you know, you work out all the time. You're working out hard now and you start looking at it and you're like, there's a process to get to the end game. And that's all I kept thinking about because I was still around the team. I was still with everybody. I was still a part of it. I just physically wasn't on the field so I could help out with mental stuff. I could help with things that I see. Hey, this pitcher has been starting everybody off with a breaking ball. So kind of sit on that if you want to look for that. Or, hey, when he gets to this count, he likes to throw the fastball in, then come back with a change up away. Or even defensively, I can say, hey, that guy hits the ball the opposite field all the time. Shot, sl shot uh, slide over so you can be prepared for it. So I found other ways to, to get myself involved. Most importantly, continue to be positive because you may have this little struggle about, I should be out there, I need to get back, but don't press yourself because then you push yourself further behind and then you're like, man, I just lost the whole season trying to rush back. That was one of my downfalls. I tried to rush back and then I ended up hurting something else because I didn't do the proper things that I needed to do. It's kind of talking about that, um, that kind of has to do with the mental game. So what do you think the mental game actually is? And then what's your kind of uh, definition of it? Well, mentally, you, you, you have to be focused like in anything. I mean, from school work all the way up to your job, your dad's job, and you gotta have a game plan every single time instead of just going out there and just thinking, oh, I can get this done. No, there's a process. We, I, I keep saying process because there technically there is. There's something that happens every single game and every single play. It changes just like that from the pitch, from whether you're playing football, basketball, baseball, each play is a different play. So you have to anticipate what's going on. So mentally, you have to be strong. You have to be focused. You have to have an idea of what I was just saying about the pitcher likes to throw this in this count, or he likes to pitch me this certain way. I used to always, well, almost every person on our team, they kept a, a chart in the dugout. So every time you came in the dugout, 
this at bat, he threw me a first pitch fastball, second pitch breaking ball. I fouled off this slider and I had a chart. So I would know, okay, when I see this sequence, this is what I can be prepared for. So that has a lot to do with the mental aspect of the game. And being prepared is the most important part. You can't just show up and expect everything to happen. You have to have a plan for you, for the team, and what you expect each each step of the way. So for me, the mental aspect is being tough because baseball is a game based on failure. You're going to fail, but it's how you come, come back from that to push you over the top. So to me, the mental aspect of it is being mentally tough. And people say, well, what does mentally tough mean? That means that everything's not going to beat you up. You're prepared to make yourself better after that result. Everything's result-based. Everything is number-based. So seven out of ten times you can fail and you can be a millionaire. And that's very rare because at any other job, you fail seven out of ten times, you're fired. So just look at it that way and try to find the positives in it because it's a tough game. Baseball is tough and, and, and it's a grind. And it's a true grind. <laughs> so um with that why do you think that not a lot of young kids are even uh getting to learn what the mental game is or even means um not in, even until like high school nowadays well i think a lot of times too coaches don't at a younger age coaches don't want to burn you out and you know kids want to have fun that's what they want to do and they don't understand that there's a process to all of this you have to know what you're doing and the only way you can learn that is by having those conversations though i think a lot of the best stuff is taught in the dugout sitting and listening and watching and understanding and that's why you hear coaches say don't be playing grab ass in the dugout and the reason why is because that's part of it if you're messing around or you're not paying attention and your number's called and you're not knowing what the situation is you're going to be unprepared. So that's why coaches are always saying that. Stay focused in the dugout. Watch the pitcher. Look at what the defense is doing. See what, how many outs are there. Those are all processes. Um, another thing, too, coaches nowadays, sometimes they don't know how to talk to kids. They want to be the coaches, but they don't know how to talk to them. And some of them don't have kids, so that's why they don't learn that. But once they understand that if you talk to them and teach them the right way, the mental aspect of it will take over for himself. My son, DJ, who is um, he's 10 years old. That's all he does is think. That's it. I mean, like he'll talk, talk it out, but he's thinking, OK, what if this happens? OK, what is he? Why did he do that in this? Those are the types of conversations that need to be had, not the just do it because I said so. The mental game is. You ask the question and I explain it to you so you can process it the way you can to make yourself better. People always ask me all the time about kids hitting or what you're going to change the kid. I'm like, no, I'm not going to change the kid. I'm going to work with him with what he has because he's comfortable at that. I'm going to show him a different way because at the end of the day, you can go up there on one leg. You can go up there with the bat behind you. But by the time that pitch comes, everybody's hands get to the same place. And there's a process to getting to that place. I know I keep saying process a lot, but I want you to understand there is a process to everything. So um, talking about what you're doing now and going back to that, how it, is it a, 
Let's see how we can word this. Um, how is it that you never got to uh, kind of leave baseball? You got to always stay into it or can be connected with it. Because you make those friendships. You know, our, our friend Chris Almaderis always talks about baseball family. That's what it is. I mean, I could go and talk to all kinds of other people and I've been I've done things since baseball, but I still love the game of baseball. I love being around the game of baseball. When I retired, when I finally stopped playing, it, it took me a long time to finally go see the Round Rock Express. It took me a long time to finally start watching baseball. I mean, yeah, I would watch it. I was coaching it a little bit, but I wasn't like engaged all the time. As things have happened, last year's spring training was my first spring training. So you went with me to my first spring training since I retired in 2002. That was the first time I've been around it. And it got me fired back up. It really got me fired back up. And the relationship that we have with the Round Rock Express and Chris Almaderas and his staff and Reed Ryan and the Houston Astros now, but last year it was the um, Rangers and I knew the managers and I knew all the players and it, 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 it got me back re-engaged with the game. And so now I'm back, I'm all in, I love it, but you always make your connections through sports and business and you're there for each other. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people come up to me, although it's, it was 1990 when I got drafted, people were like, you were a second round pick? And I'm like, man, that was a long time ago. But it's something that has weight to it. You know, it, it has some cachet to it. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of what I've done. I'm proud of wh where I'm at now. But there, but it was a long road. It was a long road because most people don't grind out in the minor leagues as long as I did. And I loved the game. That's why I was there. And I always tell people, I always tell people, they were like, man, you played that long. And I said, if I wasn't good enough to play that long, I wouldn't have played that long. I took the uniform off of my back. I just got to the point my kids were getting older and I needed to do something different. And I should have probably stayed in coaching within the, the, the game, but I wanted to get back home. And I, like I said, when I walked away, I was still kind of mad. I was still kind of hurt that I didn't get there. I was close twice. And, and that second time I thought for sure I was there and I tore up my shoulder and, and it, it's just, it was a frustrating time, but I'm glad to be a part of it. So, and then I get to do interviews with you, man. And then a young our, uh, up and coming <laughs> baseball guy. And then the uh, final question here that I just like to ask everybody. So who is your uh, favorite player that you got to share the field with? It was the, it could be same team or opposing team. Well, I mean, I played with a lot of great people. I played with, uh, like I said, Cliff Floyd, Rondell White, uh, Carlos Perez. I played with Nomar Garcia Parra, played with Roger Clemens. But my favorite player that I ever shared the field with was my buddy Tyrone Horn. Um, me and Tyrone, or we were rare. We were very rare. We were guys that also played in the minor leagues a long time, but we played on the same teams, not knowing we were going to the same teams. So we played together with Montreal. We, we were roommates starting in 1992, and we ended up being roommates all the way until 19, I mean, 2002. We finished playing baseball together. We went different paths for a minute, but we always seemed to get back together. When I was with the Yankees, he was coming back from Korea. They signed him and we were roommates. Uh, when I was with the Cardinals, 
I was playing in double A. Next thing I know, spring training, Tyrone shows up and we're roommates and we start playing together. I was there with him the night he hit a solo, two run, three run, and a grand slam all in one game. It's never been done in professional baseball. Uh, someone from Arkansas, a softball player, just did it the other day. But he was the first person to ever do that, and his bat's in the Hall of Fame, and I was a part of that night. So I played against Chipper Jones, but my favorite player will always be Tyrone Horn. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. Good luck to you. Thank you. Hey, it's Sammy here. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I would like to ask for your help. Tell me what questions you would like answered. If you could also take a moment to review the show. The algorithms are taking into account how many ratings and reviews I get. The more reviews, the more people they will show the podcast with. Thank you, Quentin Smithwick, Patrick42, Sam Benz, Abel03, Lauren Teague, RGECWEB, DanceBombTY, Dennis Yu, Genuine Chris, Eric Programmer, Nobody26, Josh818, and Reluctant But Happy Subscriber for all your amazing reviews this week. And don't forget to play ball, kid. <laughs>